Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And my name is Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we have made it to Book One Water, Chapter 14, The Fortune Teller. We're getting so close to the end of the season. I know. I can't believe I can't believe how close we are. We're just dropping one episode this week. Yeah. Um, we've been making plans for what we want to do as we go forward. Eventually, we're going to be in a world where we're only putting out one a week, uh, in part because we found that... Uh, as we get deeper into the show, we have more and more and more to say. So these episodes get yes. longer and longer. I'm sure you have all noticed that as yes. well. <laughs> and it turns out we have day jobs. So right. we need to do those. If only this was my day job. That's that right. That would be excellent. Well, anyway, so this week, uh, it's chapter 14, The Fortune Teller. And we just came off of chapter 13. That was uh, very plot heavy. And here we have one that's a little bit less. Some might define this as like a filler. There's some movement of character development. Yeah, I would say I would say this is this is side questy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like because yeah. like, like, you could ask yourself, do we need this episode in terms of the plot? No. But I do think, like you said, in terms of character development, we are we are going to learn some things. And there's also some themes, I think. Right. Um, this is not the Great Divide. Right. This right. Is, this is not one that I'm like, what is this doing here? This is so much better than The Great Divide. So don't leave yet. If you heard filler and you got scared, it is not The Great Divide. So um, we start out and the crew is camping along a lake. And uh, this kind of is pretty scene of them on the shore far away. And there's this giant koi fish, I mm-hmm. guess, jumping around in the not, foreground. Not giant in the way that they were at... Um, <laughs> right, right. I guess in the Avatar world, it's all relative. It's just a koi fish. It's a koi... F- they're it's big. big. They're, yeah. I would not want to swim next to it. Let's call it a husky koi fish. It's big. <laughs> it's a big boy. And um, Sokka describes the koi fish as taunting him. He obviously wants to eat it. He has a bottomless stomach. Um, so he runs off to try to find his fishing pole to catch this, this koi. Uh, and... He picks it up and he realizes that there's no fishing line on it. And so he's really upset and he confronts Aang. And uh, and Aang's like, oh, you know, I, I'm using it. And and Sokka's like, you tangled it up. Like, you tangled our fishing line. And Aang's like, no, actually, I wove Katara this new necklace um, to pr- replace the one that she lost, her mother's necklace. I think Zuko maybe still has that in mm-hmm. his possession. Um, and... Uh, so then Aang turns to Katara and he's like, you know, I thought since you lost your other one and he, he hands her this woven necklace with the biggest cheesiest grin on his face. But it's a pretty nice necklace. Oh, he does a good job. Yeah. yeah. I like the idea of Aang as artist, right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it, sensitive Aang, like that fits. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, so Katara says she loves it and Sokka's like making fun of them in the background and almost like smoochy smoochy, right? Um, and Sokka says, maybe instead of saving the world, you can go into the jewelry business. To which Aang answers, I don't see why I can't do both, which is great. Right. I feel like he could. He would excel. And um, so Sokka in the background continues to chase after this koi fish and he has to use like the, the fishing pole as a staff and he uses a knife um, with no luck. And Aang's watching him, but Katara says, how do I look? And Aang turns around and we get... This is such a great shot. Yeah, we get this a couple times in this um, episode, but we see Katara through Aang's eyes and almost like last episode where we saw Katara through Momo's eyes and it's like kind of warped and goofy. In Aang's eyes, it is like rose-colored. There are sparkles everywhere. Um, like she looks gorgeous to him, right? And we haven't seen like infatuation at all between right. these two yet. 
And the, here it begins, I think. Right. I mean, she's been a, a mother figure for Aang a lot and has assumed that role. Um, and I feel like there's little moments where they kind of hint at, you know, um, maybe Aang's feelings. Right. Like if, if you were to go back and watch it real closely, you could see that. But this episode's going to lean into this a lot more. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you mentioned the previously on, it was like all of those little moments that you could say like, okay, I see where he might be interested in Katara. Um, so she's like, how do I look? And he answers, you mean like all of you or, or just your, your neck? I mean, like you look great and it's just not smooth at all. Um, when Aang usually is pretty smooth. So then Sokka's in the background and he's mocking Aang for having a crush and Aang kind of looks embarrassed, but he almost admits it. Right. And I do need to also point out here that, uh, Sokka at this point, has caught the fish. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Now it gets away from him, but he actually he actually managed to catch this fish with his yes. bare hands. And like, as he's mo- he like turns his attention to Aang to mock him, and then the fish gets out of his yeah. hands. Yeah. It's like, so would you say that that error was self inflicted because he wasn't focusing on the fish? You know what? I would say so. That seems right. So um, Aang, you know, he's embarrassed, and Katara comes up to comfort him, and she's like, "Stop teasing. Aang's a friend." <laughs> she's like, "He's just a sweet little guy, just like Momo." And Aang's, obviously, he feels... It's heartbreak at yeah, this point. Yeah, a little bit emasculated. Um, and so at this time, Momo, his ears perk up and he hears trouble. So he and Aang, they run to the edge of the forest and they see uh, what is called a platypus bear. It's kind of cute, actually. I, I thought it was kind of cute. Except it's enormous. It is like a bear size. Yeah. It's bigger than a bear. <laughs> Maybe I don't know it's animal like, sizes. It's like three people tall, three adult males tall. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yes, that's true. It's a large bear and it has like the platypus bill mm-hmm. um, and it has like Asiatic bear markings on it, which I thought was pretty dope. And so the bear is like roaring. Do bears roar? Yeah. And swiping and pawing at this very peaceful but older looking gentleman who was in blue clothes. I noticed this. And I was like, is this a waterbender? Like, are we near the North Pole? But I don't, I think he's... It might just be blue clothes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, like, the Earth Kingdom, at least, they're not, like, hyper consistent with what they wear. Right. Maybe it's just, you know, whatever's around. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I was, yeah. I had questions. Turns out, didn't pan out for anything so the old man is just like casually introducing himself to ang as this bear is pawing at him and he's like oh the weather's nice like talking about the weather um as he's being attacked yeah i so like i was thinking is this guy like a bear master right that's what i thought too and i was like oh dope he's gonna teach him some stuff but uh we'll see soon um what actually is happening but ang um they like give these (laughs) conflicting pieces of advice on how to deal with a bear in the wild um, so one is like run zigzag and another one's like climb a tree and another Play one's dead. like stand your ground. Yeah, it's like all of these different things, which I mean, have you ever been to the Boundary Waters and like camped up there? Mm-hmm. Okay, I refuse to go to like, yeah, the Boundary Waters. Like I'll go camping in a little site, but I can't because all of those different conflicting ideas of what to do if there's like a bear or a wolf, they're always floating around in my head. And like, I don't know the answer. So what do you do? I don't know what I... I would probably run zigzag. Okay. Like I a think, crocodile. <laughs> I think that's more... Yeah, I think it's that's for crocodiles, not bears. <laughs> or like if someone's shooting bows and arrows at you, like... Right. You know. Um, yeah, I think, I think you're supposed to make a lot of noise and get big. I do think that's actually what you're supposed to do. Yes. But that's also like scary to do. Because I think if you run... Sort of like if you run from a dog... 
who wants to play with you, that dog will run you down. Oh yeah. You know, and and it might its idea of play might be different than yours. Like I think if you run from a bear, it's going to run you down. Right, right. I think the biggest thing you can try to do is scare it. Yeah. Or die. Like I think those are your two choices. <laughs> you either like, you either will scare it or you will die. Sl- maybe like slowly sneak out of its territory. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. If it's like a- already angry at you, true. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like this bear, like, yeah. that was not going to yeah. stop. Yeah, he couldn't just like casually walk away from this bear i think what i'm learning is like i i would so easily die in nature even those like you know there's always like the little um rhymes right like the snake that's poisonous and it's like red and black like Mm -hmm. don't come near i don't know any of the rhymes. <laughs> that's a great rhyme red and black don't come near it's one of my favorites <laughs> i can never remember and they made it a rhyme so that children can remember anyway i resonated clearly with with this scene so they're all giving advice and the old man doesn't follow any of it he just sits down and he almost lets the bear maul him until we see appa's large frame come up behind this bear and appa's so much bigger towering over it um and he kind of lets out a roar in the bear's ear and the bear is then scared off. But first he like <laughs> drops an egg out of fear <laughs> right? and then runs away. Um, so the old man then, he was like, oh, guys, everything is under control. Like he's And he says, Aunt Wu predicted I'd have a safe journey. She's the fortune teller for my village. And um, so the Katara's like her ears perk up too. And she's like, oh, well, I want to know my future. Like, Aunt Wu sounds interesting. And Sokka's unconvinced. unconvinced, And he's like, well, the fortune teller was wrong. You didn't have a safe journey. Like, there was a bear that almost killed you. Um, so we see, again, that theme of, like, intuition and reason. Well, it's all – there's also the sort of, like – it's intuition and reason, but there's also kind of the, like, conspiracy theory thing yeah. or, like, the paranoia thing where, like, the – like – you can always say like, well, but the reason you think that's wrong, that's the reason it's true. So like, right. yes, because they, because Appa saved him, he was safe. Yeah. But I mean, like, like Sokka's making good points here. Like this is not, this, yeah. is, this is different than the trust my instinct kind of thing. Like, right. like I'm, we're going to see this tension throughout the episode and. And it's funny too. It's very funny. And I, I'm, I'm like, there's a part of me that's like. Would somebody just say that Sokka's right because he's right? Right. But he's also wrong. Right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, he goes into these things already convinced of his side too, which we see the other side as well. But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So the before the old man leaves, he's like, oh, by the way, Aunt Wu said if I met any travelers on the road, I should give them this gift. And the gift is an umbrella. And just as he hands the umbrella, it starts to rain. So it's like, oh, all right, Aunt Wu. Did you notice what Katara does when it starts to rain? No. It's so cool. You got to go back and watch this. Oh. So, so Aang puts the umbrella up. And, and eventually Katara is going to get under the umbrella. But at first she bends the water that's falling on her. It's like she creates an umbrella out of like bending. That must have not been the main action of the scene then, right? Like is it no, in the, the background? It's she's right next to Aang and so you're paying attention to the umbrella, but she definitely like bends the water coming over. Oh my over gosh, her. of course. That's it's so, so cool. cool. That would Okay, now I'm like if all of them I'd want to be a water bender. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So practical. So um, the crew begins walking in um, Aang and Katara. They're underneath the umbrella. I guess she just decided to cuddle up next to Aang. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe I'm reading into it. And we have sulking Sokka. He comes back uh, full force. And 
he's purposely choosing to walk in the rain rather than admit that the fortune teller like could have been right or at least it's an interesting coincidence mm-hmm. right like he doesn't want to even go that far to admit it um and so Sokka like mockingly is predicting the future and and, and taking jabs at Katara mm-hmm. who's interested in the future um and he's like well, I I believe it's going to keep drizzling or like I see the future. It's going to keep drizzling. And immediately as he says that, skies clear up. Aang says, not everyone has the gift, Sokka. <laughs> um, and so they're continuing to walk and they come up to this village. And it's a village set between one lone volcanic mountain. And to me, it, it reminded me a lot of Mount Fuji, mm-hmm. just the way that it looked. And so the gang walks up to this village, um, and it's surrounded by these tall pines. It's very picturesque. And there's this building um, with, like, round doors, double doors, and a man dressed in all black standing outside of it, almost like standing guard or, or like... Like a bouncer. Yeah, yeah he's kind yeah. of... Yeah, he's like an Earth Kingdom bouncer. And he's like, oh, Aunt Wu is expecting you. Um, and so he ushers them inside. Uh, and inside the fortune teller's home there, it, it looks kind of like a, almost like a tea room, I guess. Like yeah. there's low tables. It's very peaceful, calm. Um, there's like ornate window panor- panels and a young girl who I think she's about Aang, Aang's age, probably seems like it. Yeah. Like maybe yeah. 12 or so walks in and she bows and introduces herself. Her name is Meng and she's Aunt Wu's assistant. And she has like these wild pigtails, like gap tooth, just a cute little girl. And Meng sees Aang, and she has the same kind of vision that Aang had of Katara, where it's like, we're seeing through her eyes this, like, pink, rose-colored Aang standing there, and you're, like, panning up, and (laughs) you get to his face, and he looks like he's not paying attention at all. Now, what's interesting about that, though, is in Aang's vision, it is like this idealized Katara. Mm Mm-hmm. And for her, the there is the like overlay of the rose-colored glasses, but it is not like an idealized version of Aang at all. Like she's actually seeing Aang's yeah. disinterest and kind of slouchiness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 very funny because I didn't expect that. So it's like she's on board with the romanticized version of, or like the real version of the romanticized version or something. Right. Exactly. I guess unamused Aang is all she knows of him so far. So um, the gang sits down on these like floor cushions and it's almost just like a waiting room for Aunt Wu to come out. So Meng uh, gra- or offers to grab some curd puffs, bean curd bean puffs. Bean curd puffs. Sounded good. What would that be? Do you have a sense of like... Because um, it made me hungry when I watched it, but I don't know that I would even like that. Um, If it's like a dessert, maybe it's like red bean, like the red bean filling. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Huh. I don't know. It sounded good. Mike yeah. and I were both like, oh, we did yeah. that. Um, Cause she, yeah, because she brings a pretty big bowl. So I'm like, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so she offers to bring curd puffs, but she really only has eye- eyes for Aang. She's just staring and only asking him, really. And she <laughs> she tries to, I don't know, maybe come on to him a little bit. She's like, you've got some pretty big ears, don't you? And Aang's like, yeah, I guess. And then Sokka's like, don't be modest. They're huge. Which is funny because this is the second time we've heard big ears mentioned. Remember when um, in Imprisoned, Katara, mm-hmm. that's the insult she gives to Sokka. She talks about his big ears. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. So um, Sokka is just still sulking. He's calling this whole place not like it's nonsense. Um, and Katara talks to him and she's like, keep an open mind um, because like things in this world, she says – they just can't be explained. Well, and this is one of the things that I found interesting was how much Sokka is opposed to the idea of a fortune teller, even though 
one of his best friends is this is the avatar the most powerful cre- per, uh, person in the world who's been reincarnated he's already been taken to the spirit world by yes uh, a forest spirit it's like it's like this is a world where not only does the supernatural exist but he's encountered it in the most intimate ways yeah it is a spiritual world right so like supernatural elements don't feel like they should be that far off yeah, yeah. but for some reason now that doesn't mean that Aunt Wu's not a charlatan, but it's like he hasn't even encountered her yet, and he's already like, nope, this yeah. isn't real. He's willing to believe some things, but other things are for some reason yeah. written off. Which seems weird, but also, as we were talking about this off air, like humanly consistent. Because we all do this. There's all yes. like, this I this I believe in, but these other things, no, no way. Right. You know? And maybe it's also doubling down. Like he initially expressed that mm-hmm. he thought it wasn't real and then Katara started to buy it or to started to kind of co- like come against that and like build her case. And so now it's him being like, no, it's definitely not real. I right? think you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. I think that's a big piece of it. Yeah. Maybe he just needs to be right. 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 Um, so um, we see a young woman leaving the fortune teller's well, office sure. <laughs> space. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... The gang sees her happily coming out and telling Meng that she is going to meet her true love, who will give her a rare panda lily. Um, And Meng loudly wonders if her true love will do the same for her. And we see her kind of look over her shoulder at Aang. And Aang is in the background very oblivious and goes, good luck with that. Like, just not tracking that somebody's interested in him. Um, and Aunt Wu finally appears and she's dressed in these like long flowing yellow and red robes. She's an older woman and she, um, you know, asks who wants to come first and everyone's a little bit shy, but Katara's is like, well, I guess I'll go. Mm-hmm. She's been wanting this. Uh, so Hang and Sokka are waiting for Katara and, um, it's a scene where you see Sokka just sitting and kind of destroying this Shoveling bowl in, yeah. of, of curd, bean curd puffs. puffs yeah. Um, and while he's eating, Aang is kind of sitting and questioning, wondering what Katara could be talking about with the fortune teller. And Sokka's like, oh, they're probably just talking about boring stuff, love, marriage, how many babies she's going to have. So um, also throwing out boring stuff as being potentially like feminine things. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and Aang responds, you know, very unconvincingly. Oh, yeah. Just dumb stuff like that. But he, you can tell he's... That's the stuff he most wants to know about, especially in light of Katara. <laughs> right, right. Um, and he makes an excuse. He's like, I'm going to go use the bathroom. But actually, he's going to go spy on Katara. So we see him walk down the hallways and stand outside their door. And he's eavesdropping on the fortune. And they're, like, talking about cosmetics and, like, lotions and things. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty uh, bland at first. And Aang almost, like, begins to turn around and leave. But then they start talking about Katara's love life. And that she, uh, the fortune teller says that she's going to marry a powerful bender. And then Aang's look is fun of, of like boredom to like satisfaction. He's like, all right, powerful bender. Who could be a more powerful bender <laughs> right, than Right, like him. that's me. And so we see him like bounding and leaping through the hallway back to Sokka. And Sokka says this line. He goes, looks like someone had a pretty good bathroom break. And it was, I laughed out loud. It was one of the funniest <laughs> things because... <laughs> 
Because Aang, like, starts to talk, and Sokka's like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Aang's like, oh, let me tell you. And Sokka's, no, 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 I don't want to know details. You had a great I, bathroom break. I loved that moment. Because <laughs> um, I've watched this multiple times this week, and each time I laughed out loud. Yep, yep. Uh, so Aunt Wu and Katara re-enter the waiting room after the fortune. And, and uh, they're like, okay, Sokka, your turn. And Sokka dismisses it, and he's like, might as well get this over with. Obviously, taking digs at the profession um and Wu responds oh like i'll just give you your fortune now it's pretty obvious and she says your future is full of struggle and anguish most of it self-inflicted well we've already seen that pan out with the koi fish right so and and, you know and what this tells us is that even if she is not somebody who actually has spiritual gifts because this episode is going to make us question it yeah. Whether she does or doesn't, she's yep. definitely insightful. Oh, she has power of observation. <laughs> yes. Yes. If nothing else. Yeah. Although I don't know that it's hard to come to that conclusion about Sokka. She's barely seen him, though. That's true. That's true. Um. So, so that's Sokka's fortune. That's all he got. And then so Aunt Wu ushers Aang then into the fortune teller room. And they don't go and do a palm reading like they did with Katara. She brings him to a different room instead that's like this beautiful like red kind of like almost like a fireplace room like mm-hmm. a living room um and she takes a bone from this this well she has ang take a bone that's right yeah, yeah yeah ang gets to choose um a bone from this stack and he throws it in the fire and then they're meant to see a look at the charred remains of the bone and see what those cracks are telling about the future and um so as he throws the bone in the bone starts to crack entirely and then fire like explodes up in a pillar into the ceiling. And Aunt Wu is scared. Like she's actually like, I've never seen something like this before. Usually it just cracks in the fire. And <laughs> there's a dramatic moment where we're like in her face as she's telling the future. And this actually feels like almost like um, Trelawney in mm-hmm. Harry Potter, like when she actually has right. those um, premonitions. And it, it feels like that here. Yeah, because cause it feels like, she might normally just sort of rely on like observation. I, yeah, observation. And I know what to tell this person, but then it's like all of a sudden she is seeing the magic happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so she says, You'll be involved in a great battle between good and evil, a battle whose outcome will determine the fate of the whole world. And she is like shocked and her arms are raised and she's like yelling it. And Aang's like, Yeah, yeah, I already know. But what about a girl? Like, <laughs> he doesn't care. I, I love, I love his nonchalance. It reminds me of. Um, in, I think this is probably in multiple action movies, but I know like in Pulp Fiction, there's a point where one of the characters says, I hate to break this to you, but that's not the first time I've had a gun pointed at me today. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, I hate to tell you this, but it's not the first time I've been told I'm going to be part of a battle, right. which is going to be about the fate of the world. Like, yes, but tell me about a girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Aunt Wu, confused by that, said like, she didn't see anything about love. And then Aang's spirit kind of, he looks disheartened. Yeah. And so <laughs> Wu notices that and she's like, oh, wait. And she picks up a bone shard and says like, oh, so um, this is about your love life. You should trust your heart and then you'll be with the one that you love. Which is very horoscopy. Like, yes. You know. So vague that it doesn't really say anything. Because what she tells Katara is something that wouldn't be true of everyone. Right. That you're going to marry this powerful bender. But what she tells Aang is trust your heart. Like right. it's like a, it's advice. It's not it's not a fortune. And I was thinking too uh, 
for airbenders, we don't really know much about their culture, mm-hmm. but we know that there's like some elements of being monks, right? Mm-hmm. And so what if it was under normal situations, if he was growing up in the air temple, would he be somebody who would get married? Right. And as the avatar, are you someone who gets married? Right. Like, yeah. I don't know how, how that works. We also do not see a female airbender at yes. the temple. Where I'm like, maybe there, you know, maybe it's like, Mm, there's like a female temple somewhere you know like mm-hmm. some like different monasteries and you know whatever yeah, yeah. but um yeah i'm really curious about marriage in that culture yeah and like maybe it maybe she as somebody who's observing looked at him and thought monk and thought he doesn't want to know about love right, right. like maybe that that's, could be oh that's interesting you know yeah. like he has the tattoos and everything he's like clearly a, a monk so anyway um so he's like more satisfied now. He got the story he wanted. And the Aang gang leaves Aunt Wu's all with their fortunes. Um, and Aang leads them down the street. And he is pretty smug at this point. Um, and Sokka is like, oh, she's crazy. Uh, and he's like, my life will be calm and happy and joyful. And he says this as he kicks a stone. And the stone like ricochets off a couple different things and then comes back and smacks him in the head. <laughs> this is one of my favorite runners is, is Sokka. Like seeing self-inflicted wounds by Sokka the whole time. <laughs> yes. It makes me want to go back and track all of his wounds and be like, was that from you? Uh, so, but Aang and Katara, they're pretty happy with their predictions. And Katara asks Aang like, oh, what did you learn? And Aang's like, oh, some stuff. You'll find out, which is great. Um, he's like pretty set that it's supposed to be those two together forever. And so the gang is continuing to walk down and they... They reach the town square, and the townsfolk are all kind of just there staring at the clouds. Uh, And the villagers, we figure out what they're doing is waiting for Aunt Wu to predict the future based on cloud formations. I don't know how often they do this. Is it once a year? Well, once a year she she makes the proclamation about the volcano, but I don't know if it's once a year that she looks at the clouds. That would seem – that would seem – strange to have a, such right. a major part of what she does be once a year yeah because so there's clouds every day and that yeah and the, the townsfolk know to come down and observe so i, yeah. I bet it's a, a daily ritual um but so they're waiting for the future from the clouds but most importantly like you said they're waiting to see if the mountain is going to remain dormant for another year and Saka says very loudly, I can't believe you would trust your lives with that crazy old woman's superstition. Um, and yet I-, I thought it was interesting because we see like the her- the herbalist who's giving them frogs to suck on like that panned out OK. And the old women's intuition about the storm like also turned out OK. Like you were saying, there's there's choices being made of what to believe and what not to believe. But there's similar elements in all of them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and and, and again, it's the you know, the, there's the sort of distrust a little bit of the, the old. Yes, right? yeah. totally. Um, so. Meng appears again. She slides up next to Aang. She always seems to be around in this episode. And she, in the crowd, we're watching the crowd, cloud, crowd watching the clouds. Um, Meng says to him, don't you think that that cloud looks like a flower? And Aang's like, sure, I guess. Planting the seeds for the the flower, right? (laughs) Yeah. And yes, true. And then Aang's like, sure, whatever. But then he pushes her aside, like, physically. And he he says the same exact thing to Katara. He's like, look, it looks like a flower. And Katara is just only focused on Aunt Wu. All she wants is predictions of the Mm -hmm. future. 
Almost like, I mean, we talked about addiction before, but it's almost oh, yeah. like like a milder addiction of like, if this person does have the power to know the future, I want to know everything. Oh, yeah. And Aunt Wu has a level of like charisma too and mm-hmm. being sucked into that. So um, Aunt Wu takes the stage in the square and she predicts some different things from cloud formations. Good crops, good year for twins. And this are <laughs> two twins. There's a set of twins in the um, in the crowd and they come back later. Yeah, they're kind of recurring too. And they're like, yeah, high fiving. It's going to be a good year for us. Um, and, and most importantly, she says there's not going to be a volcanic eruption this year. That'll destroy the town. They're safe. So the crowd loudly cheers and Aang at this point chooses in this, I guess, hyped up moment of emotion out in the crowd. He chooses to tell Katara his feelings and he says, I like you more than normal. Um, but she doesn't hear him. And so his little speech to her, it, no one hears it except, I guess, Momo. And um, Aang and Momo even look a little bit discouraged. Like, their expressions drop. Their big ears drop. And then uh, we go back to Aunt Wu's. And Katara's asking for more and more fortunes. Talking about her future husband. Um, asking for other readings. Like, she wants to know everything. And so we leave her there. And we see Sokka storming through the village. And he's like insulting people he's calling people saps he's like hoping to prove everybody wrong um and so there's this one guy in particular that he picks on who's wearing red shoes for luck and he's wearing these shoes because aunt Wu told him like you'll find the love of your life if you wear wear these red when shoes. you're wearing red shoes yeah when you're wearing these red shoes um and Sokka's like yeah and you wear them every day so like duh you are right. gonna find them. again He's right. He's not wrong. Yeah, he's absolutely right. Um, and in his frustration, as he's trying to explain this, he kicks a stone and he causes like <laughs> one of the chicken geese. It's a cute little combo, but he causes one to come fly and attack his head. <laughs> Self-inflicted suffering again. So um, we go back to Katara and Aunt Wu is like noticeably growing tired and old uh, from Katara's just constant questioning. And so she like reads her palm and she's like, you're going to have three great grandchildren and then you'll quietly pass away. We're done. Like end of conversation. Uh, but Katara keeps asking. And outside as uh, Sokka keeps raging on, Aang comes to him seeking advice for how to um, do well with the ladies, mm-hmm. I guess. And Sokka's, like, very cocky about this. And he's like, you came to the right place. Um, What can I do you for? And Aang goes, well, there's this girl. And Sokka looks over. His power of observation is maybe not as good as Aunt Wu's. And he sees Meng kind of creeping nearby and assumes that Aang is talking about her. And basically, like, gives Aang his blessing, not knowing that Aang is talking about Katara. (laughs) Um, So Aang now thinks that Sokka you know, knows that he's interested in Katara, but it's actually um, Katara thinks, or sorry, Sokka thinks it's Meng. Um, So Sokka's like, I'm picking up on some vibes that this girl might be into you too. Just don't mess it up. And Aang's like, oh my gosh, even her brother thinks this. (laughs) Like, wow. Um, And so Sokka says, the number one mistake that guys like you make is being too nice. If you want to keep her interested, you have to act aloof. You know, like, pretend like you don't care. How is that for advice? Bad. Okay. Bad advice. Nice guys always win. <laughs> What's funny is this, so this come, this is, uh, made me think of, um, uh, like the idea of like negging someone, mm. you know? So, so 
this is really kind of right in the era of are you familiar with mystery the, no. the pickup artist there was a show on on uh, vh1 okay this guy uh, eric von markovic uh and mystery was his uh uh like alter ego character kind of person that they play and it was basically this is the whole idea of like how do you how do you seduce women and it was it, a lot of it was about like being aloof and oh. so like so this is in the zeitgeist when this was written and so, so it's very interesting that Sokka's like yeah be aloof don't don't be interested in them Sokka would eat that up it's yeah. also the advice that Andy Bernard gives to Kevin in the office oh yikes <laughs> that says enough right there um and Aang is also like unsure about this but he's like oh I guess you know Sokka seems to know what he's Sokka doing with has the ladies. Kissed a girl, so. He has, and it's more than just Grand Grand. Yeah. So um <laughs> he's like, all right, I'll try. And Meng walks up timidly to try to say something to Aang. And <laughs> as she opens her mouth, she's like, Hey Aang, I was just wondering. And Aang just turns and walks away without noticing her. And she's like, see you later. And it is so funny. And Sokka's like, Oh man, this guy's good. Game, right? <laughs> yeah. He should be teaching me. Um, so Aunt Wu, we're we're back at Aunt Wu's place, and he's ushering Katara out of the house, like wanting to avoid more questions. And Aang is waiting outside, leaning on the wall, and the camera just kind of pans over to him, just waiting there. And he's like, "Hey, Katara, didn't see you there." And Katara is like hardly noticing him and just says hey Aang, and like keeps walking and it's so funny that like ang trying to act aloof is like him actually just planning way way more right, right. it's like putting right. more and more effort into trying to look like he's not putting effort exactly in. classic um and so we cut to a scene where Katara is shopping for papaya in the market. Because Aunt Wu told her oh, she yeah. should have papaya. For breakfast. And then she doesn't like papaya. Yeah, she's like, oh, oh. I gotta do it. <laughs> Aunt Wu told me to. Um, and so she's buying papaya and she offers some to Aang, um, who followed her, again, very much putting effort into this. And Aang, <laughs> trying to sound casual and cool, he's like, oh, you know me. I don't really care what I eat. Which is like, yeah, you do. You don't like eat meat, right? I think that's like definition of someone who cares about what right. they eat. But if it's papaya or mango, yeah. it's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so I have to stop right here. Like, I just occurred to me, what are they doing in this village? <laughs> yeah, it's like they the clock is ticking. This is sort of because like they're eventually going to have a reason that they need to be here to help. But like right now at this point, they're just like spinning their wheels in this village it's kind of strange yeah maybe like they all just have these different things that they're focused on outside of it like Sokka's angry about yeah everything the world i like to think in my in my in my vision like i like to think that appa is like union and so he gets a certain number of days off and they're like <laughs> you know what you don't get you can't fly seven days a week so let's all just relax yeah <laughs> i love that idea do you think momo is too I think Momo's a scab. He's not. He's, he's not part of a union. <laughs> That's true. So, um, so Aang's like leaning around awkwardly in this marketplace as they're apparently killing time, and he's like shifting his weight awkwardly but trying to look aloof, which is like just yeah, 
yeah, it's just it's perfect. Um, I could like vision myself doing that as like a twelve year old, like right. trying to talk to my crush and trying to look cool. Um, so Ang and Momo they see a nearby couple and they're embracing after the man gives the woman one of those panda lilies. Now was this the person from the beginning of the episode? I should have checked. It must be. I because, think it is. Yeah, because that would be yet another Aunt Wu prediction that comes correct. Right, right. So um, Ang runs up to them and like literally gets right in their face between their hug, between their embrace. And asks where he can find a lily because he's like, oh, it worked for him. Like, maybe I shouldn't be aloof. Maybe I should give a gift. And so now we see Aang dragging sulking Sokka up a mountain to get a panda lily. And Aang's like floating and hopping up. I don't know why they didn't just use the staff and like fly up. Yeah, I don't know. But this is this is that like Sokka's a good friend still. Yeah. Like Sokka's got no reason to climb a mountain with Aang. yeah. But he does it, and it's easy for Aang, and it's worked for Sokka. But Sokka, like, there are these moments where I'm like, good for you, Sokka. Yeah, like, I mean, he's complaining about it the whole way, but he's actually doing it. Yeah. Like, he's there for Aang when Aang needs him, Yeah. even if it's just about a panda lily. But we'll see. It's about more. So Sokka um, <laughs> is, again, giving some of his advice from his mini kisses. And he goes, flowers are fine once you're married, but at this early stage, this is critical stage. And it's critical that you maintain maximum aloofness. <laughs> I love that it's like Sokka has one piece of advice and he's just like, I'm just going to keep giving that piece of advice. Yeah. Even though obviously it didn't pan out for Aang. But um, Aang said then in response, my heart is telling me to get this flower. And Aunt Wu said, if I follow my heart, I will be with the one I love. And Aunt Wu hasn't been wrong yet. But just as if on cue, they summit the mountain and they look over and they see all the panda lilies and they're excited. But then beyond the panda lilies, they see that the volcano has a bunch of lava and is about to erupt. Then we get a nice little commercial break. (laughs) And Aang and Sokka fly down on their glider to warn the village of this impending doom. So they can fly down, but not up. Right. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Aang's just not not thinking. Well, maybe straight. it's hard to to carry Sokka up the mountain, right. Flying, but down is easier because you have gravity working with you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Science. Maybe <laughs> Sokka's a science fan. Uh, so they fly down to the village and they find Katara coming outside or standing outside of Aunt Wu's place, and she's like wanting to get in and see Aunt Wu, but Aunt Wu's like no, and probably sent the bouncer out, and the crew. Um, here's the volcano begin to erupt. They hear it together with Katara. And Sokka tries to go warn the villagers in the town square. Um, and <laughs> they they throw out this real zinger at him. And they're like, we know that you're a science and reason lover <laughs> um, who just tries to disprove Aunt Wu. That's all he's ever trying to do, which is true. Like, that's all he's done since he got there. And um, Katara's like, no, 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 my brother, you can trust him. He saw the volcano with his own eyes. And then a villager says, well, Aunt Wu heard the volcano, or um, Aunt Wu, we heard her with our own ears. So this is interesting to think about this episode in light of the world we live in with truth and science and mm. misinformation and disinformation. And it's just like, like this is this feels a little more troubling probably than it felt in 2005 when this came out. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm listening to you tell this story and I feel like, oh, this feels like a parable, except that Aunt Wu is not this like... Uh, malevolent force. Right. Yeah. I I was thinking also, especially we're in election cycle, so all right. these ideas. But are... I mean, even that exchange of, you know, Sokka saw the volcano with his own eyes. Well, 
I heard this with my own ears. Everything's equal. Everything's the same. There is no mm-hmm. truth kind of thing. It's like, whew, that yeah. it, it lands in the same way. The sickness last episode lands weird in the age of COVID. This mm-hmm. lands weird in the age of fake news. And you see both sides being stubborn and unwilling mm-hmm. to be convinced by the other side. Right. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> um, Aang gets on a rooftop. He like assumes his leadership role. And he yells out to the community and he says, we have to take fate into our own hands. This volcano is erupting. We need to do something about it. Which is which is actually such a great Avatar move if you think about it because he's not denying fate. Right. But he is saying there is fate and there is will and we need to use our will to shape our fate. Right. Like like to 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 impact our fate. So so it is it is about holding things in balance and tying mm-hmm. things together, not picking sides. Yeah, he finds this like middle ground between mm-hmm. the two. Um so the volcano then erupts again and <laughs> Sokka, very smug, turns to a villager and is like, Can your fortune telling explain that? And then the the villager goes, Can your science explain why it rains? And Sokka's like, Yes, yes it can <laughs> more more and more angry. So um, Aang devises a plan to take fate into their own hands, like he said. Um, and so uh, his plan is to steal the the book, right? The cloud mm-hmm. cloud mm-hmm. manual. Yes, whatever. the cloud reading book. Yeah, <laughs> There you go. Um, and so he has Sokka and Katara keep watch outside of Aunt Wu's place. And Aang and Momo enter into that house through a balcony. And we see Aang kind of looking around in that room with the the bones that he had gotten his fortune. Um, we see him digging around trying to find this this book. Um, and he's confronted by a very heartbroken Mang. And at first, Aang's like, oh, no, like her assistant, Aunt Wu's assistant is here. I'm in trouble. But Mang wants to talk more about her attraction to Aang. And she explains that, you know, she is into him, but he obviously doesn't reciprocate it. And Aang is like, yeah, I get that. Like this whole episode, he's trying to be seen by Katara and he's not. And he's trying different methods. And Mang picks up on the interest and goes, that water tribe girl, I can see why you like her so much. Talks about how pretty she is, um, how, I guess, capable she is. So we're seeing Mang as Wu's assistant is also a student of human nature and ah, a student of observation. Yeah. Like, so even though she wants to see the world one way, she's also seeing the world as it is. Oh, I want to see, like, what she does when she's older. Mm-hmm. You know, like, is she going to be a fortune teller, too? Probably. Um, so, uh, but then it's it's kind of a sweet, tender moment, and Aang encourages Maine. He's like, you're going to find somebody out there who's perfect for you, who's going to love you a lot. Um, and in exchange, Maine's like, oh, by the way, isn't this what you're looking for? I have the cloud book that you needed. Um, and she's like, I've been spying on you. I've been like stalking you. That's why I knew you needed it. Um, so we then see Aang and Katara and they get on to Appa and we see cloud bending. We had talked about cloud bending. Yeah. This was back winter solstice one. So long ago. The spirit world when, when Aang talks about how clouds are made of water. Yes. And we were like, oh, well then who would like, how, how would you bend those? Would you need to be water or air? Well, it turns, turns out... Turns out they address it. Yeah, you need to be both. And we see uh, the two of them work together. They're, like, standing on Appa's back as Appa, like, swirls around, flies around in the clouds. And they're doing these motions that almost remind me of, like, um, yoga poses, right? Like, they're... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very peaceful. It's almost like a dance. And uh, they're... Um, changing the clouds to look like the symbol for volcanic doom, which I guess is just a skull mm-hmm. 
yeah. It seems like a good symbol. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so Sokka then leads Aunt Wu out to the town square, and he's like, see, 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 look, the, the clouds are changing. Um, and now with Wu and the villagers convinced after they see this skull in the sky, Sokka tells them his plan. And he's like, we're going to dig a trench, um, and some of you are going to have to earthbend this trench, uh, and we're going to create a channel uh, in the ground, bringing the lava into the nearby river. So when he mentions earthbending, we see that one of the twins is an earthbender. Yeah. Because he's like, I am, and the other one isn't, and he's he, he has a shovel. Too. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's, I mean, I guess Sokka and Katara are siblings. One is a waterbender, one's not. But like right. twins, I would think they would both be. But we don't know how this is passed on. That's true. Yeah. Or how common it is. Yeah, right. I suppose. Um, so... Uh, they work on this trench for hours and hours and it's nightfall and the villagers are well into creating the trench. And you see like earthbenders moving and lunging these huge boulders uh, and earth aside and they're kind of doing it all in unison. Like they, all the same moves are, are practiced. Um, and even Appa and Momo are seen helping like Momo grabs a little rock and Appa's mm-hmm. like flying over the trench with a bunch of ropes and mm-hmm. like holding a big boulder, which I'm like, I feel like that would take longer to, to get done. But yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the villagers then begin to evacuate as the lava uh, and the eruptions continue and the lava is flowing down the mountain. And so who's left is the Aang gang there to monitor the damage, to see if it's actually going to work. If Sokka's plan um, is successful. And, uh, so the lava continues and it gets really close and Katara's like, it's not going to, what we did is not going to be enough. And so Sokka and Katara and Momo run a few paces back, uh, toward the village, but they turn around and Aang is there and he actually runs at the lava and he does like a series of airbending tricks, I guess. He like levitates up into the air, um, and he's like spinning and twirling the air around him and he collects this kind of airstream and then he lands back at the trench and as the lava overspills, um, the trench, he exhales and he like creates, um, he kind of like dries it out, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. He like makes stone of it. Yeah. Um, and so it's this really magnificent scene. He does it very quickly, very easily. And we see Sokka and Katara then a few paces back. And Sokka's like, man, sometimes I forget what a powerful bender that guy is. And Katara has a moment of revelation. And it's like slowed down. And it's like mm-hmm. on her face. And she's like, oh, well, I guess you're right. And what's interesting about that, let's let's tie this into to Aang's fortune, right? What did, what did Aunt Wu tell Aang about love? Uh, he has to take it into his own hands, right? No, you have to follow your heart, right? That's right. That's right. So notice when Aang goes and does this, this is the first time in a while where he's not trying anymore. Mm. He's following following his instincts, following his heart, mm-hmm. right? And and so like, so he snaps into action. It's This is not like a plan anymore. This is just him being flowing, him. him being him, right? Yeah. Following his heart. And this is the thing that Katara notices. Yeah. She doesn't notice all the things when he's trying, when he's trying to be someone he's yeah. not. Yeah. Even like the gift of the the necklace at the start, that's just him being kind. Yeah. And she noticed and valued it. Yeah, he wasn't it. working an angle at that point. Right, it right. It was just like, oh, I thought, you know, you you were, you lost your other one. Yeah. Oh, Aunt Wu's right again. Yeah. Or she gives good dating advice. That's true. <laughs> Better than Sokka, that's for sure. So... The next morning, the villagers are in the square, and there's kind of a cool shot from above where you see these, like, long spikes of the lava that's turned into rock, and there's, like, little birds nesting in them. 
And Aang returns the book to Aunt Wu in the town square. And Aunt Wu pretends to be like angry at first, but then she's like, ah, very clever, messing with the clouds. And Sokka tells the uh, villagers, he's like, I see that you guys all learned a really important lesson about fortune telling. Uh, But the villagers argue that, you know, the prediction came true. The village wasn't destroyed. So they're right. He's right and they're right. I know. And they're both stuck in their mindset. Yeah. Uh, And so Aang kind of pulls Aunt Wu aside and he's like, you didn't really see love in my future, right? And Aunt Wu said, just as you reshape the clouds, you can shape your own destiny. Mm. Aww. So um, the Aang gang says goodbye to the village. They go back to their, I guess, normal quest. Uh, and we see a, a slightly bitter Mang waving a nice goodbye to Katara and then calls her a floozy. And that's right. It's just like an abrupt ending yes. right there. <laughs> so what what I like about this this ending, and this is like, I, this is why this is not the Great Divide. This is not a side quest is we do mm. get... We do get some things that I think push the story forward in some particular kind of ways because we get another piece of the the mission statement. This idea of destiny and 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 your ability to shape it at the same mm-hmm. time because we know Aang has a destiny. Yeah. Right? But he's also being told, yes, you have a destiny and you have fate, but you can also take those things into your own hand and shape those. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is interesting because Aang's destiny is to have this battle with the Fire Lord. And so it feels like um, tradi- this is traditionally a violent destiny, right? And even mm-hmm. when she sees the fo- uh, when she sees the fire in the- with the bone, it's this sort of dramatic and it and, and the imagery is this sort of violent thing, right? Mm-hmm. And But we also know that that's not Aang. Aang's the person who... He preserves life. Yes, doesn't yeah. want to fight. Who breaks the spear in last episode instead of picking up a weapon in a fight? Right, he actually disarms the weapon and then mm-hmm. uses the staff. Like who so, saves Zuko? Yeah, right. So, so it's interesting. Like, I, I, I this is something I want to tuck away because I feel like just like some of the the stuff in the Boomy episode, I feel like there's some stuff here yeah. that, that I think is is really important. I like that a lot too. Yeah, I didn't so, think about that. Other big themes or ideas. Man, I'm glad that they addressed love and infatuation because you cannot talk about 12 to 15 year olds without talking about that. Like that is such an important part of like growing your identity. And so for me, what what could feel just like all they're throwing in a love story. Mm -hmm. It's like that's a very real part of of a person's life. And it's like just like we talked to we talk about the practical things, getting sick, getting food like developing feelings for people is mm-hmm. going to fall into that too. Right. I mean, cause this, these are, you know, middle school, high school aged yeah. kids. And this is, this would be part of a teen movie. Yes. Right? Yeah. And like Aang grew up in, in uh, an all male community. And right. like now his best friend is a female. Like he's going to have some thoughts. Right? right. So my question is how heavily are they going to lean on this sure. going forward? Right. Because this could tip towards soap opera. And if like <laughs> shipping characters becomes the main thing. Right. I got to tell you, I'm not super excited about that. But I think your 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 point is right, which is like to ignore it also would seem weird. Right. And I feel like they've they've laid the groundwork for this because we've already seen people were like, oh, maybe Katara and Haru. Maybe that mm-hmm. makes sense. We've already seen Aang having, I mean, in uh, Kaioshi, we see him while he, while he has all these girls following him around, like. It's Katara's attention that he wants. Mm-hmm. It's like we, we, we've seen the, the groundwork for this. So my question is, do you like the version of Katara we see in this episode? 
Because it's not just Katara who has romantic feelings, but it's she gets kind of obsessed with it and gets obsessed with the fortune teller a little bit. So I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on how you feel about that version of Katara. I, I related to that. I think it's very human. I think when somebody is offering you answers to things that you're curious about, why not try to seek out those answers? And so like for me, even though it, it does bridge into obsessive, it's also like the first time that she's met a fortune teller, we can mm-hmm. assume. Uh, and that's probably pretty thrilling. So I-, I wasn't bothered by it. I don't know. Were you, did you not like her? No, I, I think it, I think it was fine and it worked because it wasn't everything about her. Right. You know, and again, I, this is going to be a line they're going to need to walk because yeah. they, because they had to introduce this at some point. They introduced it now and now it's like, okay, now what do you, how do you use this thing you've now employed? Sure. Yeah. So again, like if this becomes a soap opera and the main (laughs) thrust is that, I got to tell you, I won't be super excited about that. Mm -hmm. But I do think, like you said, it's got to be there. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, Other big themes. I mean, obviously this sort of science and reason versus mysticism, myth, Mm -hmm. the spiritual, like I'm excited to see. It's actually interesting to see that Sokka has a particular take on that. Um, And it will will be interesting to see that theme play out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Another thing that I noticed uh, is that this is, and this is why this is not merely, uh, this is not the Great Divide as well, (laughs) is that Aang also connects now with another community leader. Aunt Wu is the leader of this community, right? So if we're talking about building allies, right, Aang now has, even if the people of the community might look at him as somebody who's like Sokka, who doesn't get it, it's like, Aunt Wu and Aang have a moment at the end, oh, too. Yeah. So I think, you know, again, we're starting, if the Avatar is starting to build alliances with people around the world, like, he has done that again with a yeah. very powerful person in this community. And if you talk about, like, we talked in the last episode about what you owe to people who save your life. Mm-hmm. And, like, he saved the entire village. And, yes, it was, a they were like, it's the prediction. But he was the actor who right. made that happen. Absolutely. Yeah. A uh, couple other little pieces here. Uh, I just wrote Zuko, I miss you. I know. Like, it's like, how could we have that great Zuko episode? And then they're like, yeah, we're not, we're, we're going to take him away. We're going to take him off the board for an episode. But it's probably smart. Yeah. It's probably smart of the people making the show to hold some of that back. But it is, I got to say, like, I, it kind of, I mean, it was, it was tough to see him not And in where we left him off too, where he's like laying in bed and he turns away from mm-hmm. the Fire Nation flag, like, oh, that's such a heart-wrenching thing to leave on <laughs> yeah but it but it means i'm so much more excited when i do see maybe him. it's just been music nights Who knows? that's right just music night after music <laughs> night uh last observation i have uh mm. is the name john o'brien once again oh so the writer of it. the great divide waterbending scroll uh huh. king of amashu was he was the um credited writer so he got the written by credit or co-credit on this episode so he shared it with somebody else but it's interesting because this is a very funny episode it is the humor reminded me of omashu yeah yeah so so it's we clearly saw that in there so this i think helps make up for the great divide a little bit it's it's not as good as as king of omashu in my mind i like that one better but um, I think this is a meaningful episode and it has, I, I think it has real ideas to right. it. Right. And I think, yeah. And I think comparing it to Omashu, it's like, it's easier to also like Omashu because there was more forwarding of the story. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you look at IMDb, like the episodes that don't do as well are always the ones where there's less of a story arc. 
and mm-hmm. but I still I really liked this one. Yeah, yeah, no, and I and I do think I do think there are some some big themes and ideas the 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 romantic plot, the science and reason versus mystery, the what is our relationship to fate? Thing. Yeah, shaping your destiny. Yeah, I think to me that's going to be a big thing going forward. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Annie, that's all the time that we have for this week. Hopefully, you enjoyed uh, this episode. Next week, we're going to be back with more. I don't even know the episode titles. <laughs> it's too far away. That's right. That's right. Um, but if you're enjoying this trip, please email us at channel3900 at gmail.com. We're starting to line up guests for season two. We're going to have guests on, on episodes. So we're excited for that. If you would like to be a guest, please email us. Please join us. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully you're in, you're enjoying this. We're going to try to get some Bethel students on. I know I know of a couple already that uh, that I've talked with about this and, and want to get them on because uh, this is really a fun journey. Whether you're rewatching it or watching it for the first time, or whether you're watching or listening to the podcast without ever having seen yeah, the show, we want to know what you take away from it. What 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 you enjoy about the show? Or yeah, if you haven't watched it. Why are you listening? <laughs> uh, because this is longer than watching the show. <laughs> yeah, this is a commitment. All right. Well, uh, that's all the time we have. We will catch you next week on Avatar with Academics. Avatar with Academics.